I'm really glad the new series has a peppy song. <laughs> uh, welcome to worship. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here. And whether you're joining us here in person or you are with us online, we are glad you're here. And if you'd like to follow along, you can do that in our sermon notes. And our sermon notes are going to be found on our church app. So today, I start my last sermon series with you. This, I know. This is a, a four-week series, and let me tell you how that works. So my last official day is June 26th, which is just three weeks. But I am your first guest preacher, July 3rd. <laughs> so your new pastors will be here to preach on uh, July 10th. And so uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to leave you with what I think are really the most important things, not only for our own lives, but in the life of our church, how we do transitions well, how we move forward as a congregation into where God calls us to be. Now, these aren't just the things I came up with. Um, they are things that actually, at the end of Jesus's ministry, and then after his resurrection, these are the things he talked about with the disciples, the things he really wanted to leave them with. And so over these four weeks, we'll first look at three texts that happened before Jesus' crucifixion, uh, some teachings that Jesus gave to his followers. And then the last one um, is one of my favorite texts uh, after Jesus' resurrection. So we're going to start today with what I think is the most important of the most important things, and that is love. So let's hear our first text. This is John 13, 31 through 35. When he'd gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so I now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus spends the end of his ministry preparing his disciples for his leaving. Leaving is hard. It's always hard. It's hard on the disciples. It's hard on us. I mean, this is Michelle's last Sunday with us. She started uh, coming to this church in the early 1990s. Do you remember the 1990s? Right, totally, yeah. And she started on our staff in 1999. Now, I've just been with her for the last four years, and we've had a tremendous amount of fun together. I hope you see that, right? We have a lot of fun together. And um, one of the things that um, was a challenge, but we also made the best of it and found how to have fun with it, was when we used to have Sundays on Wednesdays. And that was when we pre-recorded worship when everything was closed down. And so at that point, what we did was the camera would just roll, and, and when we made mistakes, we could redo it and all that stuff. I could just edit that out. 
but here's a reel of some bloopers for you. Holy, holy, holy. Okay. I was doing so good this week. That's what it is. That's what it says. On the screen, you will see a QR code. If you'll hover your, let me do it all again. To use the hashtag UMC, mm -mm -mm, that's not the hashtag. Hmm. So we are in this season of Pentecost, this season where we, ex um, <laughs> you can do a little dance for me, Michelle. I love it. Okay. Hey, people, it's Sunday morning. Okay, big smile, Michelle. Yay! So, I know, right? The thing Michelle used to say the most, and I didn't have a clip of it to share, was every time she made a mistake, she'd go, oh, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving is always hard even when there are good reasons, even when there is new opportunities ahead. Jesus, when he gathered with his disciples, basically said, you know, uh, I have done what I came to do, and now it is time for what is next. And to guide you in that, I want to give you a new commandment. Jesus says it this way. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, I really appreciate it's a commandment, not a suggestion, okay? Because a lot of times, people will say we need to love each other, and we might look at Jesus in this and say, you know, there are a lot of unlovable people. Have you met the people, Jesus? <laughs> I think, uh, I don't think that's quite what I can do. I think I'll pass on that, okay? And Jesus says, no, no, no. I've given you a commandment, meaning not optional. So this is the first thing Jesus says to us in the midst of transition that love is proof of our discipleship. Love, not knowledge, not theology, not understanding of all the scriptures, what is primary, what shows that we are disciples, is love. So what would that mean for us in the midst of transition? I think it means a couple things. And the first one is this. Love calls us past a wait-and-see attitude. Now, here's what I mean by this. I coach pastors, and one of the pastors that I'm coaching, well, I guess actually like four of them are transitioning, like Michelle is, moving to a new church. And I was talking with one a couple weeks ago, and she said to me, well, I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm going to get there. I'm going to assess the church. I'm going to size things up. I'm going to see, is this a good church for me? Is this a good place for me? And then I'll decide what I think. Now, 
pastors do this with churches. And you know what? Churches do this with pastors. In one of my worst church experiences, this happened to me. I sold my beloved house. I uprooted my junior high school age child. I increased my husband's drive by 50%. I moved us into a brand new community, and they said to me, well, we're just going to see how it goes. Meaning, we're going to see if we like you. We're going to see if you fit in. We're going to see if you're someone to connect with. Until we decide, we're just going to fold our arms like this, and we're just going to wait and see if you do, in fact, measure up. Now, how do you think that went? <laughs> it did not go well. It did not go well for them, and it did not go well for me either. It did not go well for my family. I remember um, they were, they are a good church now, but at the time they were in a difficult place, and um, they were mean. And I said to Jacob, you know, who's junior high at the time, he said, this is a mean church. These people are mean. <laughs> And I said, yes, I've already experienced that personally. I said, we're here, though, to bring them the light of Christ. He said, not me. I didn't sign up for that, Mom. <laughs> and he had a point. I will, I will go with that. Okay. So the pastor I was coaching who was talking to me about this, she's really just being honest, right? She'd been hurt before. She'd gone to churches where they were not happy to welcome her. They were not happy to see her. And as we talked, I thought, you know, there is a better way. There is a better way. There is a way of love, the way of Jesus. And so I told her what I am going to tell you now, and that is this. Make the decision to love now. For us as a church, what that means is that we already decide that we love Pastors Camille and Andy, that we decide we have their backs no matter what. Now, how does that look? Let me give you a very practical way that looks. I want you to show up in worship, or if you're not able to be here in person, online every single week. If you're in town, you need to show up. It really matters. There's nothing more depressing when you come into a new church that you come in in July when a lot of people are gone. And you stand up on Sunday and you think, geez, are, is there anybody who goes to this church? I'm not really clear what's going on. So if you are in town, be here and encourage them. The simplest things help. I remember one of my first sermons, I talked about how when Jeff and I were first married, like our first year of marriage was, was really hard for me. Jeff is just lovely and wonderful, and it was fine for him. But for me, I'm like, I don't know about this. I was really, we'll just wait and see. That was totally where I was at. And one of the big issues for Jeff and I early on was, you know, we didn't have much money, we didn't have much of anything, and, and we would buy one six-pack of Diet Coke every week. And he would drink, like, more than his share, okay? <laughs> and so I mentioned this in a sermon, and, and one of the choir members at the first service showed up the next week with a six-pack of Diet Coke for me, right? Like, here, you can have it all. 
it is yours. Which is really funny because then I put it in the refrigerator that we have in the church office, and the next day, David Stradling drank one of my sodas. I thought. We have to decide now that we will love Andy and Camille and we will welcome them. Uh, when I first came here, my first day here, um, someone came up to me and very quietly said, I, I hope you like it here. And I said, I have already decided I do. And I had already decided that I do because I know how destructive it can be when we take a wait-and-see posture. And this is, of course, not just with pastors. <laughs> we do this in our families. You know, you get a new daughter-in-law or son-in-law, or you become part of a blended family. You can't take a wait-and-see attitude. You have to decide that you're all in and that you love all the people that are there. If you don't, it's poison to those relationships. It also applies to a, a new job or a new move, a new community. When you move in, you have to make the decision that you love and that you're all in and that you're not going to just wait and see how it unfolds. A, a wait and see posture is not what God wants for us, and it's what our reading today wants to push us past did you see it in the text? Jesus talks about, I've done all that I came to do. I'm moving on. And now I give you this commandment to love what and who is next. As humans, it is natural for us to take on a wait and see posture. But disciples are called to something different. We are called to so much more. We are called to love because love makes all the difference. Love is what says there's room at the table. Love is what says you are welcome here. Love is what says everybody has a place. And it doesn't say, let's see if you prove yourself. Let's see if you fit in. Let's see what we think of you. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is this, to make the decision to love now and not to have a wait-and-see attitude because love is about welcome. Love is about love. Love is about rejoicing. Love is about trusting and believing that God is present and that God has a new future for us. That is way better than we will ever expect if we're willing to go. So, first thing, love calls us past to wait and see attitude. Second thing, forgiveness is a big part of love. Isn't that true? Forgiveness is a big part of love. I will always remember the sec one of the secretaries in my first church. Now, I don't know if you remember the old TV show, Murphy Brown. Do you remember that old show? In that show, one of the jokes, the, on run, the ongoing gags of that show was that she had like a new secretary every week, okay? And in my first church, that was kind of me. I had a new secretary probably every couple months for a variety of reasons. I'm sure none of it had to do with me personally. <clears throat> but I will always remember when I finally got a secretary that I thought, this is going to be great um, her name is Sally, and her husband was a pastor at one of the neighboring United Methodist churches. 
And one week, though, I got to worship, and there was some things that were not done. And so I sat down at her desk, and I wrote her a little note about what she'd not done. And later in the day, I thought to myself, did I tell her to do those things? <laughs> maybe, maybe the problem is not Sally. Maybe the problem is Nicole. And so the more I thought about it, the more I realized it was me. And the next morning, when I came in on Monday morning, she was sitting at her desk. Obviously, she had read the note. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm really sorry. I think that I never even told you about that stuff. And she said, that's okay. It's no big deal. I've moved on. Not a problem. She forgave me. And that made a huge difference. It's hard to carry around those things of unforgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And I think one of the issues in a church when it receives a new pastor is it's good to do some forgiving. Even if it's been a good match, there always needs to be forgiveness that happens. So, do you forgive your pastors that are leaving and moving on to what's next? I mean, sometimes what you have to forgive us for is to forgive us that we're leaving and moving on. And if you don't do that work with us, then when the new person comes, you'll be mad at them, right? That's how it works. So you always need to forgive your pastors, both present and those from your past as well, for making mistakes, for falling short, for drawing conclusions that maybe weren't accurate, for doing too much and taking things too far, or for some of you, not taking things far enough. When I arrived here in 2018, I knew that we needed to do some work on forgiveness. We had had a series of pastors who had only stayed with us for 18 months. When I got here, what I heard from people fairly quickly was that there was blame. Some people blamed the pastors. Some people blamed the leadership. Some people blamed the district superintendent. Not this one, we had another one. <laughs> Some people blamed our denomination. But here's the thing, blame is a really dangerous place to live. Life happens, and we all need to forgive. What happens when you don't forgive? Well, it festers within you. I saw this not too long ago. I was talking to a friend who had recently left his church, and as he was telling me why, I realized that he was holding grudges against the staff from five years ago. And so when something happened that last week, he couldn't address it and process it and move on because he had brought with him all this baggage from previous years. He could have moved forward. He could have moved into a new relationship with forgiveness. Forgiveness is, of course, necessary in all our relationships because relationships are messy and hard and imperfect, and challenging, and amazing, and surprising. When I first came here in 2018, one of the things we talked about early on was something I shared about relationships, and we called it Communications 201. And Communications 201 is why it is that it's so hard to communicate. So let me walk us through it. First, there's what, let's make it personal, what we want to say. So we want to express something. 
But then there's what we actually say. Has that ever happened to you? You want to say one thing, but what comes out of your mouth, right? And then it's what that person hears you say, which could be even different than what you actually said, and then what they make it mean. So for example, let's say that I had a situation in my life where I was hurt, and I wanted to talk to my girlfriend, Tia, about it. And I was explaining how I was hurt in this situation, but because I was still processing it all, I wasn't doing a really good job in explaining it. But what she heard in my trying to explain it and being frustrated by it was anger. And so she could hear that I was angry. And she decided, based on what I was talking about, I was angry at her. This happens all the time, where we want to express ourselves, but it falls short. And that's why I always say to church people, if you're going to leave because you've heard a pastor or staff person say something that you had trouble with, talk to them about it. We do say things incorrectly all the time, just like you, right? We're just in a more public place about it sometimes. And sometimes we say things that are misunderstood, that we had a background, but then we didn't communicate that. One of my favorite stories about church people misunderstanding something I said was I was preaching on an Old Testament passage about we had to welcome the aliens and the orphans and the um, widows, and we have to care for them, and this is what God says. And, and on the way out, I used to do a receiving line. I was standing in line. This woman came through the line, and she said, you know what? Thank you for talking about aliens today. I have seen their spaceships, and I believe in them too. When Michelle and I announced that we were going to be moving on, I know that it was triggering for some of you. That's why we've worked hard to be open about it and to just say if you have any questions, if you need any information, we are happy to talk with you about it. And I hope we've done a good job with that, but of course it hasn't been perfect. This is why we all need forgiveness. This is why love needs to cover us all in our brokenness and in our imperfection so that we would receive and give the forgiveness that we need. So forgive those who don't measure up. Forgive those who've let you down. Forgive those who see it differently, both in your church and in your family and in your work and in your community. And when you do that, you will find the love that Jesus comes to bring us because it is grounded in this forgiveness. When your new pastors arrive, you need to love them. You need to also be willing to forgive them when they misstep or miscommunicate. You need to offer that already to see whatever they do through the eyes of love, through the best possible circumstances. Making those choices will make all the difference. So we start with, love calls us past to wait and see attitude. And then second, forgiveness is a big part of love. And the last thing I want to talk about with you is grow your roots in love. And here's what I mean by that. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus talks about love and he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
And we probably are aware of the fact that God calls us to love him with everything we have, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, everything. We're to show up with it. But one of the problems for some of us is we first need to receive that love from God. You know, we hear the call to give, but if we don't know how much God loves us, it's hard to give out of that. Um, Thomas Merton, who was a, a spiritual writer, wrote the book, The Seeds of Contemplation, and he put it this way. He said, the root of Christian love is not the will to love, but the faith that love, one is loved, the faith that one is loved by God, the faith that one is loved by God, although unworthy or rather irrespective of one's worth. In the true Christian vision of God's love, the idea of worthiness loses its significance. To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence. For God is love. Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self. Love is my true character. Love is my name. This is key for us. It is what enables us to love before we know pastors Camille and Andy, to know that we are rooted in God's love, and out of that we will be able to love others and we will be able to forgive others. So today, as we begin our series, I want to challenge you to do three things. The first is this. Decide now not to take a wait-and-see posture with your new pastors. Decide you love them already and begin to pray for them daily. Now, if you're sitting here today saying, I don't know, I'm still not sold on this, I probably will take a wait-and-see attitude, I want to challenge you to do this. At least pray for them because that will change your heart as you pray for them and for the opportunities they will have here. So pray for them daily. And then second, deal with any unforgiveness that you have. This may be toward previous pastors or churches or congregations. It may be in this church. It may be in a church from your childhood. No one can survive this messy life without forgiveness so I invite you to do this work. It's an important part of our lives. And then third, I invite you to embrace how much God loves you and to put your roots deep down in the soil of God's love. Because when you do that, you're going to be able to not take that wait-and-see posture to love people already. And you're going to be able to Deal with the unforgiveness you have. God can work on that through your heart. Put your roots down in God's love so that you might breathe it in and you might know it in your own life and that might bubble up through you and spread out into your whole world. I love you all. And I know that you will continue to grow and flourish and that this will happen because you know the most important things, the first of which is love.
Let us pray.